Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Walsh keeps it going. It's Lauren James! Oh! England activate their cheats code! Lauren James! That is absolutely sensational! I'm Michelle Owen and this is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast World Cup Edition. Today we'll be looking back on day nine of the FIFA Women's World Cup. Today's big game saw England just about beat Denmark in Group D, but big concern for the Lionesses as Kira Walsh was stretched off in the first half. In the other match in the group, China and Haiti, it finished 1-0 to China, who certainly rode their luck at times. Whilst in Group F, the spoils were shared between South Africa and Argentina. Joining me today is The Athletic's Charlotte Harper, Duncan Alexander and from the press box in Sydney right now it's Michael Cox. We have got a full house. Hello all. Hello. Hello. Hello Michelle. First up then let's get to England against Denmark. James. It's Lauren James. Oh! Right foot off the left side, central position and what a start. This does Here not look good at all. Kira Walsh on the stretch. Oh. Kira Walsh leaving the World Cup on a stretcher, a sight that no one wants to see. Russo's away here. England have numbers forward. It's Russo! Went for it herself and couldn't find the target. Flacker like stayed down. Sorensen off the post. England sluggish. Denmark, the width of the post away from a late equaliser. England v Denmark was the standout match as we considered this group ahead of the tournament. It was tense, again, wasn't exactly uh, thrilling. Michael, what's been the mood post-match in Sydney, would you say? Quite a contrast. I feel like most people, most supporters or certainly the people I was with in the press box were quite negative really after the the seemingly quite serious injury that, that Kira Walsh suffered. In the press conference, Serena Wigman was not really focused on that, was not really interested in talking about individuals, was obviously very happy with the victory. Um, personally, I thought it was not that much more improved than the performance against Haiti. Certainly England started well, the left flank was completely different and that brilliant goal from Lauren James proved to be the winner. But I thought England invited so many counter-attacks, particularly midway through the first half. I think late on, obviously Denmark came very close to equalising. So, look, two games, two 1-0 vi- <laughs> I said wins like it was Wiegmann there. It's quite bizarre. <laughs> two games, two 1-0 wins, but I'm not sure we've seen performances that suggest England will actually win this tournament. 
Well, Lucy Bronze actually said ahead of the game, she's happy to win every game 1-0. They did do that. But the chat ahead of the game was whether Serena Vegan would switch things up a little. She's not known for making changes, but she made two. Lauren James in for Lauren Hemp and Rachel Daly coming at left back. Jess Carter made way for Alex Greenwood to shift into centre-back. Charlotte, it did work. Like Michael said there, started really well. Six minutes in and Lauren James made her mark. She did. Anybody familiar with the WSL would know that Lauren James can set the world alight. What I love about Lauren James is her balance, left or right-footed. So being on the left wing, she can cut in on the right. And and just that composure from a 21-year-old. At times, we've seen her blast shots over the bar, just not being able to control her power. But she actually went for a side foot, um, more control, pinpoint accuracy, and, and the turn just to give her a yard of space. And that's exactly what England needed. Uh, I think Beth Mead often... Um, broke the deadlock in the Euros or made something happen for England to get a penalty and they don't have that in the squad and they they need someone on form who's going to be clinical and Lauren James provided that moment early on. Uh, Duncan, a goal from open play after 343 minutes. It's a long time basically, isn't it? It is a long time. It's nearly six hours. Um, It's quite a niche number to find a a hook for. The only thing I could really find, and I'm I'm sure you're ahead of me here, was um, Kevin Corrigan's all-access lacrosse practice, which is a three-DVD set available on Amazon, uh, now discontinued. So that if you watch all the three of those DVDs this weekend, that's how long they went. I mean, I wasn't wasn't planning to, but that's some context. Okay. (laughs) Um, what about a celebration Duncan yeah I mean I'm sure I'm not the only one that went slightly when she went for the knee slide which I mean there was debate about whether the pitch was was dry or not I think people there said that it wasn't but uh, it was still a bit of a sort of a stuttering knee slide and there are quite a few managers who have banned players from doing it just because it is you know quite risky Oli Gunnar Solskjaer I think um, had like an injury a long term injury that, that stemmed from it so given England's injury problems already, it's probably worth not doing that again. Yeah, of course, we're going to come on to Kira Walsh very shortly. Um, very good ball recovery from England at the start of the match. England completed 100 passes in the first 15 minutes. Denmark, just 16. Michael, Daly at left back then. I, I uh, as not a complete expert on anything, would be... Um, I wouldn't want to criticise Serena Vigman too much, seeing as she won the Euros, but it just feels... Weird having the WSL golden boot winner in a defensive role. The problem is for Rachel Daly, she's very good at it. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, it is strange. I must say, I I did suspect that this might happen just because when Vigman announced the squad, there was only seven defenders in it. And considering there were a couple of injuries, well, particularly Millie Bright was an injury concern. I did think there's not that many injuries needed before actually Rachel Daly's your best choice at left back obviously there wasn't an injury here but she explained it afterwards quite well she said she thought England were going to have more uh, the possession here that Denmark weren't going to be quite such a counter-attacking threat so there wasn't so much need for Jess Carter at the back I think that was her her logic and I thought England's build-up play from centre-back with Carter in the side was quite slow so then meant you had the option of Greenwood um, as the left-sided centre-back. I do agree with you. I must say, I thought Daly did quite well defensively tonight. I think when you go back to the Euros, there are a couple of games, the Spain quarter-final and the Germany final. I think as the game went on in the final half hour, she struggled a bit defensively, particularly against Spain. England got away with it in that game. So maybe against stronger opposition, it will be um, 
it'll be a bit dangerous. Maybe we'll see Carter back in the side. Maybe Neve Charles can come in. But I thought tonight, probably that left flank, obviously all new with James and Daly. I think that was probably the brightest part of England's performance. So what wasn't so bright is that Kira Walsh injury. Around 35 minutes, immediately saw a signal to say a game was over. I think she might have done my knee. Stretch it off. So much of what England do relies on her. She's the record signing in women's football for a reason, after all. Charlotte, was your initial reaction like so many other people's? It's it's just almost felt like conceding a goal for England fans, didn't it? Yeah, when you have that knot in your stomach and the pit, that's what I felt when I saw Kira Walsh go down. And if anybody's like been in serious pain and you don't want anyone around you, even her closest friend, Georgia Stanway, or Lucy Bronze, who will know her so well, she's just like, no, get off me, get off me. So, yeah, just England work via Kira Walsh. She's their midfield metronome. She just makes things tick. Jacob Whitehead wrote a really good piece on how you know every opposition's plan was stop Kira Walsh. She'll presumably have a scan tomorrow and it's just a waiting game of, of how serious that injury is. Michael, you spent time with her following the Euros victory uh, for a My Game in My Words piece. Um, just for our perhaps more casual listeners and everyone getting to the Lionesses right now, can you explain how important Walsh is to England's play and her stature within the game? Yeah, like you say, the most expensive player in the world. And I think the the thing about her is she's quite an un-English player. And I think she takes a lot of pride in that. She said that when she grew up, she I think she played a bit in Spain and certainly admired the Barcelona teams maybe a little bit before it was that was the dumb thing to do. And I think without her, England just feel... It's feel quite English in a way. I think they're just going to have to be about lots of kind of bite and tenacity in midfield. Obviously, Stanway playing as the deep midfielder brings yeah, more of that than, than creative qualities. Um, and I think on a, I think it'd be quite difficult really for the side to lose her. I think she's the, the least replaceable player. And while England have got around the absences of Williamson and Mead with, with other players moving to different positions, this just feels like I, I just can't see a solution for England to be able to plug that gap and still broadly play the same style of football so yeah I mean we're speaking as if she's definitely not going to be back for the rest of the tournament that hasn't been confirmed yet but it does feel like a. I mean you said it felt like conceding a goal I completely agree I, I think England would have been better losing this game and, and not losing Kira Walsh in terms of you know going forward and winning the tournament yeah Duncan Laura Coombs was her replacement but there was a clear mood shift in the game after that I mean I'd imagine as a, a player seeing a nasty injury it does it does knock you but just felt different after she went off, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you look at things like momentum during the game, it, you know, England, as we said, started really well. I mean, they didn't have a shot on target after the 21st minute, which, you know, the second half they, they started okay. But I think the conversion rate is a bit of a concern. They are just not sort of taking chances that, that they're creating. It was, it's sort of 6% so far in this tournament versus 21% at the Euros and even 15% at the last World Cup. So, you know, if they are going to get over or get past that injury, I think they do need to become more clinical. Russo did have a couple of flashes and sights of goal, but she just doesn't seem to be getting that involved, does she? I think Russo's actually hold-up play uh, for the Lauren James goal was very good and will probably go unnoticed. She managed to maintain possession and her positioning for allowing Lauren James that space. Um, so she she kind of is doing the dirty work that is not as noticeable. Um, in terms of her running and, and we saw the physicality against Haiti but yeah in terms of goals and numbers which is <laughs> what she will be assessed by it's 
uh, a drought for Russo at the moment. Going forward, Janus Idafer was saying, Mike, on the BBC, that England are going to have to play with two sixes. Um, do you agree with that? And they're going to have to play in this typically English way, as we were saying? I, I think there will be a change needed. I don't think it necessarily has to be two holding midfielders, but I think potentially Ella Toon might drop out with, you know, maybe just three kind of combative, hard-running players, whether that might be Stanway, Coombs and Jordan Nobbs, I think could be an option just to give that energy, a bit of experience, a bit of bite in midfield. Um, but yeah, it was notable that, I mean, it was a surprise, I thought, that Coombs came on, considering Katie Zellum could have come on, Jordan Nobbs could have played that right-sided role. I mean, Coombs is an interesting character. She was out of England contention for, I think, seven or eight years. She's almost the least experienced player in terms of caps, despite being the oldest player in the squad. So it's probably someone we're going to have to do an article about, do a bit of an explainer to people about quite who she is, because I expect there's some, you know, not even casual fans, fans who got really into the Euros last year, who, who probably, you know, don't know who she is. Yeah, it was an interesting choice, that's for sure. Shreena Vigeman obviously seeing something in training. Amelie Vansgaard hit the woodwork for Denmark as England slowed in the final minutes. I'm sure England fans had their hearts in their mouths at that point. It wouldn't have been against her on a play either. Uh, Lucy Bronze, Duncan, what's your assessment of her? Because at times she was the most forward of England's players. Um, that meant they were vulnerable on the counter. Um, it's it's going to depend on opposition going forward, isn't it? But can they afford to keep having the fullback so high. Yeah, I mean, you could even argue that obviously Walsh got injured running back, trying to trying to cover. So, you know, it, I mean, Lucy Bronze has done okay, but she's she's kind of snatched a couple of chances. She went for a header in this game and, and didn't quite come off. But yeah, I think England have, have looked really vulnerable um, in transition and, and that is a is a concern. But I mean, um, just to sort of not, so we're not all doom and gloom after they've won the first two games. I mean, <laughs> th- that's that's six clean sheets in the last nine World Cup games, which is the most of any team in that period. Um, and England have now scored in 15 consecutive World Cup games, which is equals the all-time record set by Norway back in the 90s. So, you know, it, micro issues, but macro, it's still it's still OK. Uh, yeah, Ian Wright took to Twitter to bemoan England's lack of pace. Sorry to continue negative theme. Uh, Lauren Hemp came on. Bethany England came on too, Charlotte. Were you surprised to see her come on, seeing as she didn't feature in the Euros, um, didn't feature in the pre-tournament game against Canada? I mean, I really like Beth England. I love how she plays and how she's had that, not a revival for Spurs, but how she went to a side that weren't thriving in the WSL and did so well. I actually whooped with joy when Beth England came on and uh, people I was watching with were saying like what's happened if England scored and I was like no Beth England's on it's a great great moment for her um, <laughs> she's had a tough time uh, not got game time at Chelsea moved to Spurs made a name for herself there proved her worth um, didn't play a single minute at the Euros and still worked so hard behind the scenes to keep those standards at training uh, I was surprised, given that Wiegmann likes consistency. Um, so, yeah, I, I, to be honest, she didn't have the best impact when she did come on, but um, it shows really interesting signs of Wiegmann's f- more of a tendency to be flexible and more of a chance to give players opportunities. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because if it ain't broke, don't... What's the phrase? Fix it. Yeah. If, no, if don't, it ain't, it ain't broke, broke... Don't, bro- don't no. break it. Don't, yeah, that is broke, right. Don't break it. That's what it is, Charlotte. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, I if think we're all just too tired for this time zone stuff. If it ain't broke, no, I actually said this yesterday to someone. I've forgotten how it goes. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it... yeah, that is it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> basically, what you're saying is, look, Serena Vigman wasn't known for making changes. Should she be making changes that she didn't used to make? Does that does that worry you at all that she's tinkering? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it wasn't broken at the Euros, so she let it be. And there's obviously problems, but England do have solutions to those problems. Mm. Just going back on our last point about cover for Walsh, that's where Leah Williamson could have stepped in. And that's where it's a big miss because we actually were concerned going into the Euros about a lack of midfield depth. But Leah Williamson was able to prov- was able to play in that number six role. So now that she's gone, yeah, question marks as to who's going to fill that gap. Oh, she's missed, that's for sure. Let's be a bit more positive before we um, finish talking about England then. Denmark really were forced to pick off the scraps in the first part of the first half. They're playing on the counter. Look, Pinil Hard is a huge player, a massive talent, Denmark's most recognisable player. And Michael, you know, England seemed to be able to shepherd her enough really, didn't they? Yeah, aside from the counter-attacks, I think between about 23 and 30 minutes, there were three occasions where Denmark stole the ball after a poor England pass. And I think all three of their attackers had decent chances I actually think Denmark played the situation quite well they, they struggled at the start but they changed the system they basically went from 4-2-3-1 with a player marking Walsh to their natural system of 4-3-3 after Walsh went off and I thought they looked better after that and then they brought on obviously a, a plan B striker who headed uh, a late winner in the first game and very nearly headed a late equaliser here so um I, I kind of I quite like the way that they're playing. It's, it's quite cautious at the start, but they gradually open up. I think they manage the game quite well. Um, it'd be interesting to see how they play against Haiti because uh, I expected Denmark to be the second strongest team in this group, but the way Haiti played against England, I mean, there probably isn't too much between them. So that might be a, a good game, last in, last one in the group. At one point, Stanway smashed the ball into Penel Harder's face a little harder than she would have liked. Duncan raised his eyebrows at that one. I think he liked it. Um, Michael, as well, just before we move on, you've often uh, talked about inverted fullbacks, but we saw a rare occasion of near inverted flags, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know two things here. One, I know that producer Abby wrote that joke. Producer Abby makes me say them. That's the worst thing. And two, she's still rattled because she tried to do an Ireland emoji flag on Twitter and did an Ivory Coast flag. <laughs> so she should be concerned about her own inverted flag issues there. I'd also like to say producer Abby puts in all sorts of lines and jokes uh, into our running order and they absolutely don't always be said. So be grateful for that. In the other match in Group D, it was China who came out on top thanks to a penalty from Wang Shrank in the 74th minute. China looked like they'd conceded a penalty in stoppage time, but the referee, Marta Huerta de Aza, changed her mind after taking a second look with VAR. And then there was another huge Haiti penalty shout in the final moments. And that one wasn't even checked by VAR. So it finished 1-0 to China. England are top of their group, Group D, with six points. Denmark second with three. China third also with three points. And Haiti bottom with none. So next up in Group D, China play England and Denmark face Haiti. For Haiti to progress now, they need a heavy win against Denmark. Both games start at 12pm midday UK time on Tuesday the 1st of August. Come up next, we'll look at today's final game, South Africa v Argentina, and look ahead to tomorrow, which includes a tasty clash between France and Brazil. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Welcome back to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast in Group F. The spoils were shared between Argentina and South Africa with the story of the game. Here's Melanie and today. The South Africa-Argentina match was a historic one for the Bucks, and it certainly will be one in this tournament that will be remembered, especially for each federation and what it means for them back home. Before the game, both teams were talking about how history is being made just simply being in this tournament. And they were both hoping and fighting for that first World Cup win, which at the end, neither team was able to accomplish after securing a 2-2 tie at the end of 90 minutes. South Africa was very strong in the first half, able to dominate play and exploit weaknesses in Argentina's defensive end. As for Argentina, the key moment was when Sofia Braun scored in the 74th minute. That goal eight was able to open up play for the rest of the match and help the Albiceleste dig out of a two-goal deficit to end up drawing the match with South Africa. Though neither team won, it felt like a historic moment for both, as both teams still have a chance to get out of groups in the coming weeks. Post-match, South Africa's Cesare Alice did attribute some mistakes that the teams made to costing them the match. As for Argentina, head coach Herman Portanova, although he did express his sadness for not winning the match, he did express his pride in watching the team improve and go from being down by two goals and turning things around. Sofia Braun, after the match, the American-born did say there there wasn't another jersey that she would want to wear. And it's a historic moment for the team. And it'll be interesting to see how both teams capitalize from the lessons learned this match and if they're able to kind of propel themselves out of group stage. Uh, Duncan, and a point not really helping either's cause, perhaps South Africa be disappointed not to be in a, a stronger position going into their final game? Yeah, I mean, they looked looked set, but I mean, Argentina um, are good at this. I mean, I think they've got a weird trend, Argentina. All seven goals they've scored at World Cups have come in the second half, including six of them in the last 20 minutes. So, you know, they really are the sort of almost like the team, the zombie team. You, you, you can't ever rule out to the end, and that, and that turned out to be the case. But yeah, the, that goal was, uh, was worth watching anyway. And this time, what a shot that is! It's a terrific goal for Argentina to give them hope. Sofia Braun with a super strike. Emphatic. Argentina's first goal at this 2023 FIFA Women's... 
definitely a goal of the tournament contender from Sophie Braun. If you've not seen it, you must check it out. Um, Charlotte, what did you make of this game? Was it what you expected? Because Argentina were pretty stubborn against Italy in their opener. Yeah, I was looking at South Africa and they they should have put the game to bed, the number of chances that they had. Um, but as well, the goal, not sure, goal of the tournament, not sure about that. Nice chest and dipped finish. Um, and the accuracy on that was great. Um, yeah, Italy were lucky. I think Michael tweeted about this of Cristiano Girelli just popping up, classic striker, headed in, um, and that was Italy's reliance. Yeah, I agree with you, Michelle. Like, it just doesn't help either side. And I thought that if, uh, it's kind of boring to complain that defending was bad when it's been a really exciting two-all, but that offside trap Argentina played for the first goal, it just had one defender like 15 yards behind everyone else. It was just like watching a you know, under nines game or something. I really enjoyed it. I'm not complaining. I just, it's great to see that, that kind of thing at a World Cup. But yeah, I mean, I, I think both sides are going to struggle to go through. Obviously, Sweden, Italy tomorrow. I slightly worry that that game might, they might just be happy with the draw now and, you know, jointly put themselves, yeah, put themselves need, really, in charge yeah. of the group. But I think it's obvious they're the best two sides in, in this group. Argentina are always quite disappointing. They still haven't won a World Cup game, which feels incredible for such a big footballing country and obviously the the world champions on the men's side yeah it's their fourth tournament as well and they've still not won a game it's the most games played by any team in the history of the tournament without a win so that is incredible they are due one. Oh, well the other match from this group play takes place tomorrow uh, that's saturday it's an 8 30 a.m kickoff uk time for sweden against italy the group at the moment uh, stands with sweden italy first and second on three points and south africa and argentina haven't played a game more on a point so um, be interesting to see what happens in that one tomorrow Time to look ahead then to tomorrow's fixtures. There's one standout, really, Charlotte. France against Brazil. France need a win. Brazil were dominant against Panama. Who's favourite here? Oof. France have had the injury struggle with Wendy Renard. She's still um, waiting whether she'll get the final call-up for that game. Obviously, that would be a huge miss for France. She trained uh, only partially on the bike Tuesday um, Wednesday, back to full training Thursday and Friday, so it does look more encouraging. I'm going to back France, but Brazil look pretty good. They they are very solid in defence. We've got Rafaeli, who was instrumental in Arsenal's campaign, and unpredictable in attack, especially with Dabina. So I'm backing France, but only just. Michael, you took in France against Jamaica in their opener. It was goalless. Um, what do France need to do differently compared to that game? I think maybe a change of system. They played 4-4-2, pretty flat, pretty predictable. I think they're the only side to play 4-4-2 so far. I think certainly of the big teams. I can't remember anyone else doing it. And it was it was just nothing really happening. The right flank actually worked quite well. They created some chances down there. But yeah, they just didn't move the ball through midfield. No Amandine Henri. I know that's it's not the first time at a tournament, but personally, I think she was the best player at both of the last two World Cups. And they just really could do with someone like her, who can spray the ball around in midfield. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to this game. I think this is it's probably not that many games in the group stage where there's two genuine contenders to win the tournament against each other. Um, and a couple of them are coming in the final round of group games, which sometimes isn't that exciting. But this one is, is set up perfectly. I was quite surprised because France normally play 4-3-3 and Diani is normally on the wing with like Le Sommet up top. 
So given that Corinne Diacre always played 4-3-3 and then Elvio Renard come in and, and kept that formation, it seemed quite a drastic, not drastic change, but an unusual change given he's trying to gel the team in such little time that he's had. Do you think they'll struggle to adapt to that or that's what we saw perhaps? No, I don't think they'll struggle to adapt. I think a good player always adapts and France have to given the number of injuries that they've got. Um, maybe it was due to the opposition, but I'd be really intrigued of, of how France get a, gets on against Brazil. It feels like crunch time for France. Yeah, this is going to be a really good matchup, Duncan. Uh, obviously, Brazil beat Panama 4-0 in their opening group game. Okay, the caliber of opposition, not as high as they'll be facing against um, France. Anna Borges with a hat-trick. Would you leave Marta on the bench again? She came on for the final 15 minutes. Yeah, probably. I mean, I think, you know, it worked It worked well in the first game. They had 13 different players have a shot, which is a, it was a record. So, you know, they've got... They've got a, a pretty good uh, squad um, and, you know, I think we've seen that, you know, kind of easing players in is, is probably the better way. I mean, there's a weird record between these two countries in the sense that Brazil have never beaten France um, in 11 attempts. So, you know, it now would be a pretty good time to uh, to do that for the first time. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast wherever you're listening now so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks to my guests, Michael Cox, Charlotte Harper and Duncan Alexander. I'm Michelle Owen. Join us again tomorrow. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.